Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And this week, we are playing a little bit of catch up uh, after having to take a week off. Um, so you are going to find that today's episode will be split into two separate episodes. Uh, the first half, we're going to do our typical uh, breakdown of what came out this week. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Toronto Film Festival and do a review of The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And then in the second part, uh, we will be doing a review of Dear Evan Hansen and uh, talk about a few other movies we've seen in the last few weeks that we felt like um, would be appropriate to talk about some of those uh, and kind of catch everyone up on what we have been watching. Um, so let's start out by first talking about what came out this week. Obviously, uh, Dear Evan Hansen did come out this week. We will be waiting to talk about that in our review a little bit later. Um, but that was the big title. Um, another title that came out this week is called Birds of, of Paradise, not Birds of Prey, not to be confused with the uh, Harley Quinn movie. Uh, Birds of Paradise, which is... Um, a movie that got released on Amazon Prime, and it is two girls at an elitist uh, Parisian ballet academy have their bond and bodies tested as they compete for a contract to join the company of the Opera National de Paris. And uh, it has gotten pretty bad reviews. <laughs> um, has a 5.9 on IMDb right now and a 57 Metascore. Uh, the concept seems interesting enough, but there's no big name people involved. Um, my guess is that it probably just falls a little bit flat. Uh, Amazon Prime trying to acquire some of these movies that probably aren't going to make it in the big in the theaters. And so they're like, well, it seems like it could be something interesting to put on our streaming service overall. Probably not going to see this movie, although I did hear a little bit about it. Uh, coming into this release. And so there was some buzz around the film. So it's not like this is the first time that I have heard of it. Had you heard of this movie? I'd seen the trailer a couple times. Um, and I feel like, I mean, we've sort of had this conversation before, but I feel like the rules for um, streaming are different in terms of, it, it's not about getting a quality movie. It's just about getting a movie that uh, seems interesting or tells a story that maybe is going to, connect with a specific audience and so much of you know all types of media is about stuff is being made for every audience that exists and uh i think that uh regardless of what this movie gets in terms of reviews um people will still see it and people probably enjoy it and so um i probably won't see this but good for people that enjoy this Right. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, the, the sort of movie that somebody is probably going to like. Uh, and yeah, I think this, the idea that we have all of these streaming services allows for a lot of these movies that typically would not be on our radar at all to be on our radar. And this is kind of one of those, those movies. Um, another movie that came out in limited release, but will be on Netflix next Friday is a movie called The Guilty. 
And uh, the premise of this movie is a demoted police officer assigned to call a dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. And this is a movie that stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Riley Keough and Peter Sarsgaard. Um, and it is an Antoine, uh, is it Fuca? Fuca? Uh, anyway, it, there are big people who are um, attached to this project. And it currently has a 6.2 on IMDb and a 67 Metascore. Something tells me that this is going to be a movie that actually a lot of people end up watching because um, it feels like the sort of thing that the average Netflix uh, viewer would want to watch. It kind of has that thriller, crime, drama feel to it. And so this one actually may end up being a bigger film next week when it comes out on Netflix. Yeah. Um, Ethan Hawke's in it too. Oh, I didn't even catch that, but uh, yeah. I wonder if he has a smaller part. It seems they kind of, honestly, this Paul movie. Dano, kind of, too. Paul Dano's in it as well. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got lots of good people then, but something tells me that a lot of it is just going to be Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Um, I, think so. I think it's kind of just a showcase for him and, uh yeah i'm interested in this i would i'm very intrigued to kind of see uh how this plays out and if i have some time maybe i'll try catching this on netflix once it gets to netflix all right um the next movie that came out in limited release is a film called i'm your man and i know we saw a trailer for this before the eyes of tammy faye Um, And this is uh, the premise of this. In order to obtain research funds for her studies, a scientist accepts an offer to participate in an extraordinary experiment. For three weeks, she is to live with a humanoid robot created to make her happy. Um, And I believe this is a German film. Um, and it stars Dan Stevens, who uh, is more well known from Downton Abbey and uh, played the Beast in the live action uh, film of Beauty and the Beast. And this movie to me, it, well, OK, it has right now has a 7.3 on IMDb and a 77 Metascore. And this to me seems like it could kind of go either way. Uh, it has an intriguing concept. Um, and if it's done well. It could be a very interesting film, but it could also kind of fall flat for me and uh, leave a lot to be desired. But I am intrigued by it and it's gotten pretty good reviews thus far. So uh, if I have the opportunity, I may end up checking this one out. Ich bin den Minch. That's the real, <laughs> that's the real uh, title. Um, I, I think that, I don't know, it seemed pretty quirky and dumb um when we saw it in the theater or the trailer um but i don't know it, it almost seems like a they're going with like a romantic comedy vibe that you would have seen in like the late 90s early 2000s but it's like the romantic comedy version of her you know uh yeah flipping the genders and so i think that would be it seems interesting but i just i don't know it seemed kind of dumb to me um <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'll see it. I don't know. I feel like I won't. Yeah, I say that I'm interested in seeing it, but yeah, it may end up being a 
situation where it just kind of falls through the cracks because it's there's not enough buzz for it and um but maybe maybe when it comes to streaming services someday i'll end up eventually seeing it but yeah there's so many other things that are going to be coming out in the next few weeks that the chances of me actually going to see this movie are not not great um the last film that came out this week is called the starling and this is a netflix film um it stars uh, Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd. Dowd. Um, it also has Kevin Klein and Timothy Oliphant, David Diggs. Um, so it has a lot of fairly big name people. Um, the concept is after Lily suffers a loss, a combative starling takes nest beside her quiet home. The feisty bird taunts and attacks the grief-stricken Lily. On her journey to expel the starling, she rediscovers her will to live in capacity for love. Uh, this, going into this year, this movie kept popping up on potential lists for awards play. Um, and so I've always been kind of intrigued by what this could be. Uh, it currently has a 6.2 on IMDb, but it has a 32 Metascore, which leads me to believe that uh, it is not going to be an awards player. Um, that That's a little bit rough. I think it's an interesting concept. I just seems like it kind of misses the misses the mark a little bit. Yeah, I feel like it could be one that just is not executed because it sounds like a fairly interesting story, but it might be one that tries to do a little too much or maybe it, it feels too loose. It doesn't have enough going on in the story to kind of drive it forward. Um, but I actually like everybody involved in this. I don't know the, the filmmaker or the writer very well, but the actors are all one people that I like. And even though they're not, you know, typical leading role type people, um, Melissa McCarthy, I think, has shown that she's a really good actor, uh, a beyond comedy. Yeah. And so I'm like, ex that, that's exciting to me. Again, like, I feel bad that all of these are ones that I'm not super thrilled to see. But I think that's primarily because there's so many good movies that are coming out that have been pushed back that that's all I'm thinking about. I feel like these types of movies that we're talking about now would be ones that maybe last year we would have been like, yeah, we'll check it out, you know, because that was all we had. Um, yep. So, yeah. And I actually like Chris O'Dowd quite a bit. I know he's kind of yep. goofy, but I think he's a good actor. I agree. Um, I, th this time period generally is when movies get released that are kind of stuck in the in-between. <laughs> and uh, so we don't necessarily... They are not always going to be a bad movie like they would be if they come out in like the January, February uh, time frame where a bunch of movies just get released that ended up bombing in te for test audiences. But these movies generally are not going to be uh, awards players. Every once in a while, one will sneak in, but it's just that time period uh, right before we hit October. And then October, it really amps up where you get a lot of really good movies. Um, so I don't know. I could see this being something that I end up watching eventually since it's already is on Netflix some evening, trying to find something that may have a little comedy, but also drama. Um, 
this may be something to check out. Now, the director, it, their their name is Theodore Melfi, and he directed uh, Hidden Figures, um, which actually got nominated for Best Picture. He also directed St. Vincent, which was kind of an indie uh, favorite the year that that came out in 2014. Um, so he has a good track record. Uh, so I, I was a little concerned that maybe the reason that it was going to fall flat was because of a like first time director, but that's not the case here. Uh, this is a proven director who has put out stuff that critics and audiences have both enjoyed. And so, um, this one just seems to not be as good as they, they were anticipating. Mm -hmm. um, regardless, if it sounds like a promise, it sounds interesting to you, then go see it uh, or go check it out on Netflix. One thing I'll say about all of the ones that we've just talked about is none of them seem like like straight up bad movies. They seem like they're all you know made for those specific uh, core audience. They have a specific audience for each one. And so... Like I would watch any of them. I just don't have a super strong desire because of being busy and then wanting to focus on other movies that are coming out. Yep. I agree. I agree with that sentiment. Um, all right. Before we move into our review of the eyes of Tammy Faye, a uh, couple weeks ago, the Toronto film festival was going on and the Toronto film festival has sort of become this, uh, I guess, platform to, really uh, launch Oscar campaigns and the last 10 to 12 years um, since they have expanded the field to 10 nominees for best picture at the Oscars uh, the Toronto Film Festival has had a good track record of selecting films that end up going on to get a best picture nomination and in some cases go on to win uh, the best picture award so they in recent years uh, i think i don't know exactly when it started but it was sometime in the 2000s they started giving an audience a winner and then they'd give two runner-up awards and so i was going back and i wanted to kind of look at what films uh got that winners or the audience winner award um and or the audience pick favorite whatever they call audience choice i don't know i don't know what it's called but um <laughs> uh, it, it's their main award that they give out all these festivals they generally have a award that they they give to a film and a lot of times it's selected by juries but at the toronto film festival they let the people who are seeing the movies at the festival have a vote and uh this seems to kind of translate pretty well to uh award season and kind of lights a fire under some of these films uh, to give them that boost they need to make a, a an awards run. So over the last uh, 12 years that we've had that expanded field, 11 of the 12 winners have gone on to get a best picture nomination. There's just one year where that wasn't the case and all of the films that they awarded that year um, didn't have like they, I don't recognize any of the titles there. And so I don't know what happened that year, but, uh, clearly it was just a different year. Um, but overall it's a pretty good bet that the winner of this award goes on to get a best picture nomination. And this year's winner was Belfast, uh, the Kenneth Branagh 
um, uh, Irish story uh, that, that he is telling. And it seems to be just a fan favorite. And uh, I know we talked about this in our prediction show. Uh, I felt like Belfast was going to get a Best Picture nomination. And now it seems like it is about as much of a lock as you're going to get at this point in the race. Um, simply because it just, it, it's having that buzz. And uh, I would be very, very surprised if it didn't end up going on to win. I am very excited to see this film. What are your thoughts on that, Danny? I mean, yeah, it's, it seems like it's a lock. It already seemed like it was a strong favorite to be nominated. Um, but I don't know. I mean, for some reason, this is just one that I have not been as excited for. I'll definitely see it. But there's always one within uh, every Oscar race that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more hesitant to see. I remember, and I don't think this is the same type of movie, but I remember the year that Lion came out. I never had seen Lion, even though that was a movie that was everybody seemed to enjoy and was pretty good from what I'd heard. Um, but I just never got around to seeing it. I think maybe the uh, idea around Belfast it feels like a story that, I don't know, you can disagree with this, but in some ways it feels like a safe story in some ways, or it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere really groundbreaking um, or uh, it doesn't have a character that at the center of it, that is really fascinating. Uh, the filmmaking itself, I'm not, I don't have anything against it, but it's not like that is a huge draw for me at this point, but that also means that this is the type of movie that uh, could really surprise me, you know, and when I see it, I could really fall in love with it. And something I'm kind of wanting to talk about with both our reviews today, when we eventually get around to it is how like expectations can change the way that you think about a movie. And so, you know, I don't want to adjust my expectations based on the fact that I have certain expectations already, but I think that Belfast is one that could surprise me because I don't have this strong, like, Oh, I think this is going to be amazing. So um, yeah, I, I'll definitely see it, but uh, there's other ones that I'm looking forward to more right now. Did you ever see the film Brooklyn? I did see Brooklyn and I feel like was- this kind of fits in that, that uh wheelhouse where it, it's more of a simple story that's just about people and kind of the events events that are happening around them mm-hmm. and um sort of this coming of age type uh story and i that that is how i i kind of feel about this movie i think that um this movie has a better shot at having an impact in award season than brooklyn did um, but it, it, to me, it feels kind of in that same vein. Yeah, I could totally see that. And Brooklyn's a movie that I probably liked more than I thought I was going to when I went into it. Um, but I was pretty young when I saw it for the first time. So, yeah, Brooklyn, uh, it, there, it was hard to say too many bad things about it. And it was that sort of movie and that I kind of feel like this might be that sort of movie where like it may not be super groundbreaking, but it it's going to be a movie that is hard to dislike. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, for whatever reason, that sort of movie doesn't typically uh, make it into a, the award conversation. 
And this one just seems to have found a, a little window in and yeah. now it's got some steam. So we're going to see how that plays out. The other two movies that got uh, recognized as runner-ups in this were a movie called Scarborough, which I had never heard of. I still don't really know that much about it. Um, my gut tells me that this is not going to be a movie that is going to get a lot of buzz moving forward. Um, it, the premise of it is three children become friends while living in a low income neighborhood. Pretty simple premise. Um, it's probably the sort of movie that I would like, uh, just cause I like really simple movies that are just about people and, uh, that really shine a light on just humanity. Um, so I'll be interested to check this out, but I don't know that it's going to have any, um, steam that, that kind of pulls away from that from this festival uh, but the other one that I found interesting to be included here is the power of the dog and uh, I know that both of us have been pretty excited about the power of the dog in fact I think right now I think I even said that these were the two movies that I thought had the best chance to win best picture um, kind of out of that the predictions that we had uh, and I don't know if this is proving me correct or not but uh it, it just the, these movies feel like they um are designed to be award players and uh that's that is what we are seeing now i was also looking at some statistics in terms of movies that got runner up at the toronto film festival and um 19 of the 36 out of, of the movies that either won or were part of the runner-up process went on to get nominated for best picture. So over half of the movies that are included in this have a good chance of being a, a best picture nominee. Um, to take that even further out of the three movies that have been awarded here, seven of the 36 have gone on to win best picture in the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this actually has a pretty good track record for being a best picture predictor. Um, that's, you know, that's a pretty good percentage considering there are all these festivals and only a small amount of the films that get recognized at the Toronto Film Festival actually go on to get a best picture nomination. Then to have seven of 36 uh, end up going on to win the best picture, that's, that's pretty good in the fact that it's just the last 12 years. So, I think either of these movies very well could end up being a best picture winner. I think they both have a great, great, great shot at being a nominee. Well, and the other thing that I think <clears throat> makes this year interesting is because a lot of movies got held off due to the pandemic or we could see something really strange happen by the end of the like award season or the time where a lot of these big movies are coming out. And like, I don't know. I, 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 there's a world where soggy or uh, licorice pizza, um, is that what it's called? Pizza yep. licorice? licorice? Yeah, licorice pizza. pizza. Yep. There's a world where the Paul Thomas Anderson movie comes out and suddenly like gets a lot of buzz because like his, his movies tend, seem to tend to be like late season runners you know what i mean that they yep. just kind of catch up with everything and but then also it could totally fail but i mean at the same time 
once Nightmare Alley comes out, maybe we hear a lot more buzz around that. That really hasn't been getting the views because I don't think it's been at, shown at festivals no. yet, really, has it? So, um, but in I sort I sort of feel like Power of the Dog and Belfast are put at a little bit of a disadvantage because they have been shown earlier this season in a year that is so packed with huge movies. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a lot about timing and it's a lot about um, keeping your film in the people's minds while all these other big directors and filmmakers are releasing movies. So I think this will be a, a really interesting year to, to watch play out. Well, something that uh, other film critics have been talking about is that uh, more so than in recent years, it seems like a lot of the predictions are leaning on movies that aren't having festival debuts, um, which they, they since the, the field has expanded to 10, um, like since they did that back in 2009, uh, it, it has been more, the films that have gotten nominated for Best Picture have been more from festival debuts than they have been from just theater releases. And this year, a lot of people are predicting that uh, they're good. there will be more titles from just the theater releases than there will be from film festivals, which uh, I find to be kind of interesting. And that kind of supports what you were talking about here, where it just seems like the year is jam-packed full of big name titles and a lot of big time directors that aren't really at in a position where they feel like they have to do a festival run because they already create buzz just based upon who they are. And uh, the, you know, they know their studios are going to be able to run a campaign for them um, that, that is going to prioritize their work. Um, so yeah, it is an interesting year because of that. And I think that uh, maybe next year it, it kind of returns to more, uh, of this normal uh, way of doing things. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Um, but I am very excited to see both Belfast and the power of the dog um, as they come out in the next couple months. Mm -hmm. um, I think that wraps up our intro to our show here today, uh, talking about what movies came out this week and uh, those festival winners. Um, when we come back from this break, we are going to be talking about the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, so stay right there. All right, and we are back, and we are looking at The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is a story that covers the televangelists Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker and uh, kind of their rise and fall um, as they have uh, a career in the televangelist world. And uh, it also kind of reflects on the role that religion plays within America. And so we'll get into kind of what that's uh, all about. Something that I think we should maybe uh, start off is mention 
The Cast. This is a movie that stars Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Cherry Jones as kind of the lead performers. And then, uh, funnily enough, it is uh, directed by Michael Showalter, who is primarily known, I think, for Wet Hot American Summer, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, so kind of an interesting background. He also did direct The Big Sick, which I I thought was a pretty good movie and maybe is more of an indication of where he's headed uh, now that he's had kind of two more um, dramatic um, types of movies that have some comedy in it. But um, Tammy Faye is definitely a movie that leans more on the drama side, even though there is some comedic aspects of the movie and there's things that are played for laughs. Um, this is just a kind of straightforward biopic. A lot of times I see people comparing this to I, Tanya and the way that it is a capturing a persona that maybe had fallen from grace um, from our past and kind of humanizing them in a way. So I'm curious to know, what did you think of The Eyes of Tammy Faye? So... I was really excited about this movie going into it, uh, mainly because I was intrigued by the performances um, from both Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. Um, and ultimately, well, we, we can talk about the performances here in a little bit, but ultimately, um, I think I walked away a little underwhelmed because it is slightly too straightforward. I think that they had an opportunity to do something very interesting with this film and they didn't quite go there. There were times where it seemed like it was starting to dip into some very intriguing um, things to say and they didn't go all the way there. And uh, it, yeah, it ended up being more of just, yeah, you're right, a straightforward biopic that, um, felt very documentary like in a way uh, where they're just kind of telling the events as they happen and they show it to us in a dramatic uh, fashion. Um, And so I think it it did leave a little bit to be desired um, as for it being a, an Oscar player for some of the above the line categories. I, I believe that Jessica Chastain is clearly going to be a, favorite to get a nomination um, potentially could even be a favorite to win best actress. Um, But other than that, it's not going to get nominated for best picture. Uh, It won't get a a writing nomination. Uh, Certainly it's not going to get a directing nomination, but I think it does have a chance to get a lot of awards um, for kind of the technical aspects of the film, stuff like costumes, makeup, uh, potentially uh, production design. So I think it had some pretty extravagant uh, sets. Um, I ended up giving this film a 7 out of 10. Uh, and it is the sort of movie where if you're not really interested in the concept or the story, you probably aren't going to like it that much. Yeah, I'm pretty much right in lockstep with you on this. I came out of the movie thinking, well, I didn't really need to see that movie. Uh, Or more than that, I felt no one really needed to make that movie. And the only real reason why you make this movie is it gives a 
outlet or a platform for Jessica Chastain to give a really great performance. And again, we'll talk about that more here in just a little bit, but my biggest issue, and we had maybe talked about this as we were walking out of the movie, because we saw it together, that uh, I think this is uh, why biopics are not very good, typically. And uh, the fact of the matter is that the way that somebody's life plays out doesn't lend itself to making a really captivating story. There's aspects of people's lives that are really interesting, but to fit all of that into one movie, it it creates a ton of pacing issues. And so that is ultimately where I felt like this um, was not very, a very strong movie. So I also gave it a seven out of 10 um, for that, those reasons. Um, And it really, I I kind of, if Jessica Chastain wasn't giving such a great performance in this movie, this probably would be not a very good movie. Uh, And that's too bad because um, it, like you said, it had a lot of opportunities to say even more than it did. And it kind of hinted at a lot of stuff, which is fine. But um, it, it, it is, other than the fact that Jessica Chastain gives such a good performance, it's a movie that almost would have been better as a documentary. And it was a documentary in the 90s, I believe. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I stand on it. Um, I think because we want to talk about this so much, let's just start right away with talking about the performances. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, so, Jessica Chastain is very on point in this movie and uh this is definitely going to go down probably as one of the best performances that she has ever had um i think this gives her an excellent chance to actually win best actress because it is a very transformative performance um it allows her to uh kind of pick up on some of some of the nuances or um, the quirks that this character has. And I, I, I'm not super well-versed in who uh, Tammy Faye Baker was as a person. And so I wasn't constantly just trying to compare her to this other person, which I think is works in her favor. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I presume that there are probably a lot of people that know who Tammy Faye Baker is and watch Tammy Faye Baker. They're probably not the audience for that, this movie, to be completely honest, because they probably won't like what the movie has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, those people that really watched a lot of, uh, the the 700 club and is that what it's called 700 club uh yeah uh during that time period um but yeah she she gives a very humanizing portrayal of this character and i think there are things about tammy faye uh that you really kind of step away from all of this and uh you feel some empathy for her but you also recognize uh that she definitely had her faults and frankly, she was just kind of a messed up person that uh, um, became more messed up because of the environment that she lived in basically her entire life, uh, which is um, sort of a sad thing. And I, I can see the comparisons to I, Tanya, uh, because they, they're, they kind of feel the same way about the character of Tanya Harding in I, Tanya. Um, 
just as this person that is both kind of a villain, but also in the film is portrayed as the hero. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I can see how that compar- comparison could be made. Um, and both were excellent platforms for these actresses who are great actresses to really show uh, that they can play a completely transformative character and do it at a very, very high level. I was uh, completely, completely drawn in by her performance. And there are a few scenes in the movie that uh, were very, very captivating. And uh, I think make her a worthy nominee, if not winner for Best Actress this year. Well, you forget that she's playing, anybody's playing a character. You forget that there's an actor in the movie that's playing the character. It just feels totally real even though the character itself is totally strange, you know, yep. and seems not very real. But um, something, and this isn't necessarily fair to do of actors, but I do it all the time anyways. I always like to think about an actor's performance in comparison to the previous performances they've given. And this is by far the most vulnerable. Um, and uh, I would say, I don't, I don't want to say quirky. I, I want to say like, it just feels fully uh, realized in a way that I haven't seen her act in other movies. A lot of times the characters that she plays are kind of tough, cold characters um, who aren't willing to, maybe they show some vulnerability, but they, they, you don't get the sense that they could be taken advantage of in any way. They're more stoic. They're very stoic and this is not a stoic. This is a very expressive character. And that to me is so uh, what's so great about this performance is you see an actor who's really kind of going as far as they can go and still make it a, a real uh, seeming character. And I will say that um, a lot of times with these types of performances where they put on, put on a lot of makeup, that can become such a distraction. And I was kind of worried about that. And it honestly was not, it, it just felt real for the, this character. And so I think that was something that really worked. Another thing that I think, uh, and this is just little things that I really liked about her performance, but um, I think the way that she um, adds those kind of like little giggles in every yeah. once in a while was such a key aspect of the character. I think um, that, that is Jessica Chastain really singing, right? Yeah. And like, I thought that was like a really interesting aspect of the character as well. And she had to, the ability to make that seem real and to do it in a way that isn't, you know, like her voice is good. And Jessica Chastain probably has an even better voice than the way she was singing in the movie, but she's clearly singing in a certain way that kind of is a character, you know? And um, there's that scene where uh, it's kind of the eighties and they're singing, taking my love higher and higher. And she does like this kind of like voice squeak when she's singing that. And all of those little idiosyncrasies of the character, I think, are really good and that's the sort of thing that you want to see in an actor who's going to get nominated for for a movie and so i think hands down she's going to get nominated and she should be in the conversation of winning um of course there's a lot of really great 
um, performances coming out this year still. But um, yeah, I thought this was this was a great performance. Anything else on Jessica Chastain before we? I don't think so. I, I, I just think that if if you are a fan, if somebody is a fan of really great performances and uh, essentially character studies, which this essentially is, um, this this film may be really, really attractive to you. And I would highly recommend seeing it in that case. Um, and even if you're not and you just like a uh, good film, um, there are aspects of this that are uh well worth seeing and the number one there is jessica chastain mm-hmm. um okay i am interested though on what you thought of andrew garfield's performance because i uh, i know that we both liked andrew garfield um and uh, i think that he is generally pretty good in everything that he is in but what did you think of his performance in this film I again, I love Andrew Garfield. I think he's a really good actor. I don't think he was the right choice for this this movie because he yes, you needed somebody. Part of the character is that he's he's like a little boy. They like even yep. reference that in the movie in various ways. Yep. And so he gets you get that from his performances, his performance in the movie. But I think the thing that is not super great about the performance, it's not bad but I think he's doing too much. He's going over the top in a way that it feels like he's trying to do what Jessica Chastain is doing with Tammy Faye, but you can't have both of those performances in the movie. It's, it's, it's like he's trying to take away from her performance and he doesn't because Jessica Chastain is so good, but it just makes him look weaker in the movie. And um, I felt like he didn't. He could not hold his own against Jessica Chastain because he was trying to do something similar, and it just didn't work. Um, There's certain aspects of his performance that were really good, but I feel like the character wasn't fully realized. And I would have liked to see a different actor in there. That maybe I know they were trying to lean into him being kind of like a little boy, but I would have maybe wanted an actor that looked a little bit older. So that way we could uh, get that sense of the character a little bit more. And because Andrew Garfield is maybe a little bit too likable of a person. Yeah, that actually might be uh, a a true statement there is that uh, part of part of the problem uh, with this is that you really aren't supposed to like this character. Like that's kind of, the he's sort of the villain in the story mm-hmm. um and i know there are many other villains that kind of surround the the core of the story but i m- maybe yeah, you're right if they had chosen somebody else that was a little easier to dislike then the film may have had more intrigue the story may have been far more interesting if it wasn't this guy who's trying to be so likable and uh, you just you couldn't fully hate him, even though you should have been uh, having all the hatred in the world directed right at him because he wasn't a good guy. <laughs> um, and he tried to pretend to be a good guy. And uh, yeah, I, I like Andrew Garfield as well. Um, I don't think the makeup looked as nice on him. I think that it looked like he was in makeup and prosthetics. Uh, unlike Jessica Chastain's character. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know why that was the case. But uh, yeah, the tr- maybe it's that his he didn't do a good enough job of transforming himself 
as he aged into like this different person, it was kind of the same person the entire time. He just looked like he was maybe older. So maybe that's part of the reason that it didn't quite work right. Um, but yeah, I think that there are uh, places for Andrew Garfield where he is a very good good actor and puts forth really great performances. I'm really excited to see him in Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, I hope that that film is quite good. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that it didn't quite work here. And I was trying to think of who maybe would be better in this sort of role. And I'm not, I don't know. I, I would have to think about that a little bit longer, but. Um, this, this is a, I mean, this is a wild choice, but um I have to find his name real quick, um, but he's a British actor and it definitely would be very strange to have this actor in this movie. Maybe he would have to do an American accent, but I think uh, Martin Freeman would have been huh. an interesting choice for this role because first of all, he's older. I think that he has a youthfulness that he could play. Um, he would definitely have like the kind of wholesome vibe that he needs to have, but he would also, I think, be able to pull off somebody that you wouldn't necessarily like that much. Um, I think that would be an interesting choice. I don't know if it's perfect, but. Yeah, that's, it's an, that, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, yeah. That, but I think that we are both kind of on the same page here that uh, you almost needed this character to be played slightly more like the straight man that's a, uh, uh, allows Jessica Chastain's character to be a little more quirky and then have that kind of stability um, there. And we just didn't get that. One other thing that I'll say about Andrew Garfield before we move on is I think that I do admire that he is trying to play some more interesting roles in recent years. He's done stuff that has been really different. And like from Hacksaw Ridge, the role he plays in that movie, which I haven't seen, but that looks like totally different from the role he plays in Silence, which I still haven't seen. But that <laughs> looks totally different from the role that he plays in this. And that's totally different from the role that he plays in Tick, Tick, Boom. So, he, I mean, he's playing roles that are consistently different. And I think any actor who wants to do that sort of thing deserves some sort of recognition. I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, um, that's definitely the case. And they we talk about roles that are good for Andrew Garfield. Hacksaw Ridge was kind of like the perfect role for him as a leading man. Um, where it's just this likable guy that's kind of has this innocence to him. He's yep. very good at playing that character. Um, overall, the supporting cast, I think was pretty good in this movie. There was nothing that was like glaring in terms of what, what were they doing with the casting? Yep. Uh, I feel like it was pretty well casted film. Um, with maybe the exception of Jim Baker uh, just maybe not being quite right in the way that it played out. Um, we already talked a little bit just about how the story's straightforward. Uh, and so I think that it takes away a little bit from uh, your ability to just entirely buy into the story. Um, the intrigue just isn't there. And I kept waiting for it to show up and it just didn't like that turn. I kind of waited for that turn in the film for it to become something different than it actually ended up being. And it was, yeah, essentially just a timeline. We just watched this timeline play out 
Um, and uh, yeah, so it doesn't have the ups and downs that you get a lot of times with a true narrative story. Right. And it, it, they, they had to skip so much time throughout the movie that every time they move the clock forward, it just felt like you were like, they did it too much. And it was uh, a lot to be able to get to certain story elements. And yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of kind of how the story uh, came together. One, one thing that I'm curious to kind of talk to you about is what do you feel like this movie says at all in terms of the, the role that religion plays in America? Cause that's clearly something that's so crucial to what this story is about, especially in the way that, the movie essentially ends with a American flag and a song and singing a song that is about God, but it feels very American at the end, you know, without a doubt. And it clearly is trying to connect uh, the idea of religion to what Americanism is. And uh, I think that you could watch this movie um with different perspectives and take away something from it different, uh, depending on kind of what your viewpoints on all of this uh, might be, because it doesn't ever try to push a strong agenda. It kind of flirts with doing so, but it never fully does that. And I imagine that that was, it was designed that way. But as somebody that's looking for movies to say something and to kind of have a strong statement, um, it didn't sit with me as well. And I think that's part of the problem. Uh, I think I could have uh, accepted the more timeline story uh, or like the, the plot of just being a timeline if it had a little more to say and was a little more forceful in saying that. Um, I think they can do that without it being too in your face. Um, but, uh, it, it kind of just put a few things out there and, and left it up to your interpretation of what you wanted to take away from, from the movie. And, uh, I, I don't know that it worked entirely. Well, and, you know, Tammy, Tammy Faye is a character who is, even though she's surrounded people by people who are using their religion for a conservative agenda, that she maintains a uh, ideology of being accepting of all people. And that's something that's clear in the way they tell the story. But at the very end, you don't get the sense that she fully recognizes the role she played in still perpetuating the uh, way that religion was used to uh, extend the conservative agenda. And the role that religion plays to be to still put people down. And even though, you know, I, I guess I would have, I would have liked to see more focus on that than it. it, it and th maybe this is another reason why the Andrew Garfield performance doesn't work is they almost put an, too much emphasis on his role that at some points it almost feels like, okay, uh, I want to know more about, you know, how Tammy Faye is interpreting all of this and what's going down with that. And they do that, but it, it also feels like a movie about Jim Baker. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. You're right. It's, is it, is this a movie about the Bakers together as a collective or is this a movie about Tammy Faye? And 
they're not quite, it seems like they want to make it about Tammy Faye, but then they spend too much time kind of analyzing what uh, these other characters, who these other characters are. And yeah, you're right. Um, It's almost as if they are careful to not villainize Tammy Faye uh, too much. Like there's definitely aspects that kind of make her, um, a conflicted person, uh, that somebody that maybe you shouldn't like entirely, but I feel like you're right. They could have gone a little further and, um, made her slightly more complicated in, in that, that nature of, yeah, she contributed to a lot of, uh, really awful things while still doing those good things. And as it went through, they, they kind of allowed her to remain this innocent person. Um, there are moments where they allude, they allude to uh, her role, but they don't explore that entirely. And uh, that could be a little problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found this a movie that was hard to, you know, it, there isn't, there isn't a ton of it, uh, the movie that is bad. I don't think that there's really anything that's like really bad about the movie. I just don't think that it's a great movie. And so when I was coming up with things that we were going to critique, it ultimately came down to the story and the fact that it wasn't exploring those things the way that I thought that it could have. And I don't know, I, I, I guess ultimately um, a conversation that we had, I had with our brother Mark was that, this could have been a better movie if it was just going to explore a chapter of somebody's life. And there's a lot of great movies that have a chapter. And so like Lincoln is a movie that's about a chapter in Lincoln's life, not about his entire life. It's uh, the darkest hours, a movie that's a chapter in Winston Churchill's life. I would have liked this movie a lot more if they just explored the chapter where they were at maybe starting from when, they started the televangelist thing all the way to kind of when it fell apart. And that would have been yep. interesting enough for me, you know, yeah, and you could have maybe had some flashbacks if you want to include things from childhood, but it doesn't need to be told in the way that it was told right. um, because then it doesn't emphasize one part of the story. It's like all of this has to be included. So yeah, I think that's an interesting comment. Um, I do want to, before we kind of close out our review on this, I do want to make sure that we talk about some of the more technical aspects of the film, because I think that um, there are some really good pieces to that. And I first want to talk about the editing. Um, I felt like their use of uh, uh, archive footage uh, being edited into the film was actually pretty good and uh, it worked and I liked it. Um, I like when they're able to do that in movies that are about true uh, life events where they take um, real footage and are able to kind of connect it and combine it with uh, what is happening in the film. And I thought they did a really, really good job of doing this in this film in a way that it didn't feel uh, like they were two different things, but they all kind of fit together nicely. What do you think about that? Um, I, I liked the part towards the end where they did that. I felt like the beginning where they kind of they kind of basically set the story up by just like telling you who these people were at the beginning. And I was like, that's unnecessary. We don't need that part of the movie. I would rather have just jumped right in and then feel feel the story play out as we go along. And then it would work 
later, but it, it seemed like they were like trying to set things up. It's like, we're here to watch the movie. We, I mean, people already know about it or they don't know about it, but they're going to learn about it as we watch the movie. So um, I, I thought the way they did it later was really good. It's just, it was unnecessary at the beginning. All right. That's a fair, fair critique. Um, and then obviously we've already talked about the makeup and design that they, they had for this film. It, I'd be very surprised if this does not get nominated for makeup and hair design simply because of uh, Jessica Chastain. Uh, it's such a key part of why this film works is because of the way that they transform her as the movie goes on. And uh, that, that really is a part of, who she is as a character is kind of that extravagance in the way that she looks. Um, But I think costumes as well, like the costume design in this film is pretty fantastic as you're going through different time periods Mm -hmm. and uh, these, these people that are all about the way they look. And uh, you have the scene where she takes her mother to get the coat, uh, get that coat and like the, the, so much of the storyline is about um, appearance. And so that plays such a huge role in how we perceive this film. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, you add in the production design, all the different sets that they're on as they move from being living with her parents to uh, this mansion. Um, I, I think the production design in this film is pretty great and uh, also should be in consideration for awards love at the end of the year. Yeah. And to be, to be able to tell story with the set production and the way that the way that their room, their bedroom looks and how big the bed is and how it's positioned with the room it's weird because it's like in the center of the room and it feels very like of the time period and it seems kind of extravagant for the 80s and um yeah i thought they do a good job of indicating kind of that sort of wealth that they have based on their environment i totally agree um is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of in terms of this film or can we kind of wrap things up here? I would think, I would say the only thing I I would add is just that um, this is the sort of movie that probably um, I I would be curious to see kind of what very religious people think of it. I think there's a world where you, a very religious person could watch this and maybe be offended, but also they might, find some sort of they might appreciate the humanity that was brought to the character and um appreciate the way that she is somebody that is trying to um uh welcome all people i think it is at times making fun of religion but it's also celebrating religion in a weird way too uh and i think that's what that's the interesting part that I would have liked to explore more, but at the very least it's worth, it's worth checking out because of the performance first and foremost, but because of how much our world, our, our country is, you know, dictated by religion. So. Yeah. I think that uh, is an interesting way to think about it because obviously we see it in a certain way based upon our point of view and our, um, connection to religion throughout our lives. Um, but, uh, I, I could see, I could very well see 
people with different perspectives seeing it in a slightly different way and interpreting it in a slightly different way, which maybe is um, somewhat the magic of the film, uh, even though I may have wanted it to have more of a uh, significant thing to say. Uh, the fact that it is the way that it is may open it up to be more universally um, understood by more people. So um, yeah, that's a, a great point to kind of wrap this up. So if you are a huge fan of fantastic performances, you're intrigued by the, the story, um, I would recommend seeing this movie. Uh, I, I think it is good. Um, it is not going to be make my top 10 list at the end of the year by any means. Uh, but uh, I, I am glad that I saw it. Uh, and I would re recommend doing so if any of this sounds interesting to you. So when we come back from, well, actually, we're going to kind of close this show up and then we will have a second part of the show uh, where we will do a review of Dear Evan Hansen. Um, and then we will go over a couple other movies that we've seen in the last couple weeks that we, we think that deserve a little bit extra time to talk about. So uh, tune into our next episode where we talk about Dear Evan Hansen. Thank you.